You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live on this Thursday, June 24th, which is the Solemnity of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. I presume, I should have looked this up, Father, I presume that some countries around the world treat this as a holy day of obligation, as numerous other solemnities might be the case. You know, they do, not not only do they, from the religious side of it, but it's taken on also a secular tone in many nations, where like Midsummer's night, and there's kind of a lot of... uh, activities and festivities that go on that are associated with <laughs> right, not right. the holiness of St. John the Baptist, yeah, yeah, probably but the antithesis of St. Right, John the Baptist. Right, right. A so. lot of cultural trappings. So whereas this may not be a day that's as high profile, let's say, as Immaculate Conception as the patronal feast for the Church in the United States, it's an important day nonetheless. And we have with us Dr. Chris Bergwald to uh, talk about St. John the Baptist. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Good morning. It's uh, great to have you with us, and we're grateful that you've been able to spare some time. Now, as we understand it, you are employed with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm, uh, I'm the Director of Discipleship Formation for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, been in that role, role like it for about 19, it'll be 19 years in September that I've been um, with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. I'm originally from another part of the listening area and from the uh, small town in the Brainerd Lakes area of central Minnesota. And uh, layman, been married for 22 years at the end of July. Uh, my wife, Kim, and I have five kids. They're all, my wife's from Ohio, I'm from central Minnesota, but our five kids are all born and raised here in eastern South Dakota. Wonderful. And uh, as as somebody who's been uh, tried in patience in your <laughs> in your vocation as a as a husband and father, you may be able to relate in a special way here. Um, uh, what do you um, admire most? I guess let's just uh, start off with that about uh, the life and the witness of Saint John the Baptist. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, John, I'm gonna make, I'm just gonna try to make a long story short. Uh, Saint John the Baptist sort of knocked on the door of my heart over 20 years ago when I was doing my grad studies in Rome. Um, I I came across reference to him in a theological book about one of the saints who, if you think of the saints like a constellation around our Lord, um, certainly Mary, Our Lady is closest. And then we think of maybe John the Apostle and Peter and the other apostles. Uh, but the author, the theologian writing this book, just made a mention, just a couple pages in a really long book about John the Baptist. And I was really intrigued by that, uh, but didn't really do anything with it. And uh, a, a number of years later, I uh, came across the work of another theologian called The Work of John the Baptist. Huh. That's kind of interesting, um, but didn't do anything with it. And then this spring, for a variety of reasons, I think, speaking of patience, um, St. John finally said, never mind, Bergwald, I'm going to just, I've been knocking on your door politely for over 20 years, I'm just going to walk on, barge on in. Uh, <laughs> and I, I've just been fascinated in the last few months by John, and I really think, so I mean, this is about me personally, but I think there's a broader application of the power of his witness to us as American Catholics today. John, you know, praying the way of the Lord, make straight the paths, etc. 
uh, a voice crying out in the wilderness, the call to missionary discipleship, the call to the new evangelization, which we've been hearing about from our popes for, for, for decades now. Uh, John embodies that in such a powerful and pivotal way. But I think the, the thing that's really been striking me for John, and I think part of why he's fascinated me, um, that life of asceticism, of penance, you know, uh, his, his diet of locusts and honey and wearing the, the, the camel's hair as his, his garments. That, I, I guess to me, for me personally, but I think for us as American Catholics, that witness in a culture which is so much about, you know, just whatever your desires are, whatever your appetites are, you know, just have at it. You know, the food, the drink, uh, the Internet, you know, you know, binging shows online or whatever it is. Good things, apart from the bad things that we can fall into, alcoholism, drugs, etc. The, the witness of, of a life of asceticism. Giving up things not because they're bad, but precisely because they're good. But I need to properly order my life to bear fruit for the Lord. For me, those two things that his his uh, sort of the proto evangelist, the evangelist before the evangelist, announcing the Lord is coming and then bearing witness to Him, tied together with that that powerful life of of penance and prayer. For me, those are the reasons why I think again John just sort of said. Uh, I, I'm coming in. I've, I've got to do for you, Chris. And uh, he's really, yeah, he's really been been moving in my mind and my heart for the last, but just about two or three months, really. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, this is Father Leffer speaking right now, but the um, um, I, I I have a similar experience with him. I mean, him knocking on my door to the point where he's he's always been near me and on the peripheries to the point where. Uh, giving something away, but a lot of my passwords have to do with a variation of his name. But anyway, the, uh, because he's been so essential. But I'm very conscious, for example, you know, today is the 40th anniversary of Medjugorje, and that, you know, whatever you say about the apparition, you know, if, if it's true or whatever, that Mary appeared to these children on the Feast of John the Baptist. And that, that, that's always been a, um, a, a thing in my mind of how you're talking about these saints that surround Christ, and you know, the first coming of Christ was not possible apart from St. John the Baptist and the Blessed Virgin Mary. And yeah. there's just this kind of conviction in me that I don't think the second coming of Christ is going to happen apart from St. John the Baptist and the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so, you know, you're speaking about his prophetic voice there, and I, I think that, that this is a time, <laughs> this is definitely a time within history of the world where the, the voice of, of John needs to be heard clearly. Yeah, amen. I, amen, Father. I, yeah, for his, his voice to be heard clearly, um, announcing, I mean, what he, he announced repentance, turn away from sin. And, and for me, I, I just, over the, so this is, this is even more of the kind of tie for me. The Lord himself, a few years ago, was very politely also uh, knocking on the door of my heart, just inviting me to take on certain tendencies for a variety of reasons. And he was very polite, and I very politely declined his invitation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think, I think that's why John showed up. He said, Chris, Chris, what are you doing? The Lord invited you to do this. Um, why are you responding? And just for him to show me the, the, the connection between that turning away from sin and turning towards the Lord, that conversion, that metanoia, but the role that bringing order to our appetites, to purifying and perfecting our desires, uh, th th those things go together. I, I can't 
You know, I, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm a man, I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, I'm a, a lay, lay minister within the church, I, I work with this evangelization and discipleship, but I can't bear fruit in that if my, disorder, my, my desires, my, my passions, my appetites, even the good ones, if they're, they're not properly ordered. And in order to do that, that life of penance is so necessary. For, so for me, again, it's easy to say, kind of project, well, John the Baptist is the most important figure, you know, for the church today. I'm not saying that, but for me personally, certainly his importance, Father, as you were just saying, has become very clear and very vivid. Well, we are visiting with Dr. Chris Bergwald from the Diocese of Sioux Falls about the life of John the Baptist. One of the things that I uh, mentioned in my homily this morning is that um, it, it's it's noteworthy that uh, you look at uh, his family background and that Zechariah, John's father, was uh, a priest ministering in the temple in Jerusalem. And as a devout man, one might have expected that he would follow in his father's footsteps, maybe within that priestly class, but he decides not to do that. And so instead of being in that pattern of priestly life, he's really taking on this persona of a prophet. Uh, it reminds me of what uh, several other prophets did, like when Ezekiel is uh, carrying out his baggage and you know coming back into the city, and people are like, will you not tell us what these things mean that you were doing and all the rest of it? So uh, you know, through his words and through his actions, he's embodying really a prophet's lifestyle. So, um, you know, how how does that um, uh, dimension of Saint John the Baptist as a prophet? Uh, how, how do you, how do you think that speaks to us today? Well, one of the things, and this is where in the last few years, again, John politely knocking on the door. You know, he he bore witness to the truth, even to the cost of his own life, and specifically, he bore witness to the truth about marriage, the institution, the gift from the Lord of what marriage is. Yes. So uh, people, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of ways, I think, where people misunderstand how to accompany others. John, I would say, John accompanied Herod and his wife. They, they obviously rejected that, that accompaniment, but, but John really was trying to walk with them, lead them to the Lord, and sometimes... That means speaking truth in a very loud, clear way, you know, quote, unquote, speaking truth to power. Um, and I think some of us, maybe, I, certainly I in the past, maybe probably did that too often, not to power, but speaking too strongly um, when I shouldn't have. But John certainly was called, and he embodies to me, he, he bears witness to, you know, when the Lord wants you to speak boldly and clearly, do so. Uh, and John did so even to the point of... of Shedding his or giving his own blood, the shedding of his of giving his life, shedding of his blood for the sake of the truth of in in this case what marriage is. I was thinking especially of uh, John the Baptist. Um, over, uh, some years ago, I read this uh, classic uh, Life of Christ called The Greatest Story Ever Told, and uh, that mm. was made into a movie that was uh, playing on uh, a channel, so I had seen that uh, a number of weeks ago, and they cast, uh, as part of an all-star cast, they had Charlton Heston playing John the Baptist. He, you know, he can't wow. help but steal the show, so to speak. I mean, how can he be Moses and, and John the Baptist? <laughs> but right. uh, there's, there's a great scene where he... Um, is about to be arrested, and the soldier comes to him and says, Baptist, I have orders to bring you to Herod. And Charlton Hessen says, I have orders to bring you to God, heathen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just excellent, you know. So just kind of that, like, and, and, and what you were saying reminds me of that um, that willingness to confront uh, society, uh, you know, yeah. heedless of the consequences. 
Yeah, re- yeah. Re- this is what I'm called to do, and I'm going to re- remain faithful to what the Lord has asked me to do, regardless of the cost. It is such a powerful witness. And for me, as you said, Father, you know, Zechariah had been a priest, so John seems likely, in a sense, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of be, you know, to be anachronistic and apply our understandings to the past too much, but John, in a sense, may have been a layman in terms of his Jewish state in life. And so right. it's not only for us today... Men like you ordained, but also men like me, those of us who are laity, we're all called to bear witness to the truth that God has revealed to us, whatever the cost is, because we trust in Him. Well, we need to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we will dive deeper into that background, such as we know it, about St. John the Baptist, whose uh, birth we celebrate in today's solemnity. We have Dr. Chris Bergwald with us, and there will be more coming up after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. This is Jean Verant, the principal at Marquette Catholic Elementary School in Virginia. I would like to just give a plug for Catholic education in our area. It's an environment where the values that you have and share with your family and children at home will be supported within the school. The prayers that you pray, the devotions that you participate in, the sacramental life, all these things are supported on a daily basis in the life of your student while they're at school. We really try to have a rigorous academic program and know that religion and a life of faith and virtue is a big, big, big part of our school life every day. I would encourage all families to consider a Catholic education for your children. There are many Catholic schools within the area of northern Minnesota and the Diocese of Duluth, and all of them will support your family values and the Catholic faith. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you, priests from the Diocese of Fargo, from our Grand Fork studios. And we are delighted to have with us in a conversation about St. John the Baptist, whose nativity we are celebrating on this solemnity today, Dr. Chris Bergwald, who is uh, visiting with us uh, from his position in uh, evangelization and discipleship in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And uh, in, in our theology and our scripture background, there have been a lot of uh, things we've come across in terms of either, um, you know, outright uh, dissertations or maybe speculation about what John had done. The end of the gospel for today's Mass says that he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel, and that leaves a lot of things on, uh, you know, uh, not spelled out or left to the imagination. We hear about uh, groups such as the Essenes, you know, sort of a, a fringe group, uh, you might say, within the, the, the Jewish uh, family. Uh, what can we glean about what uh, John's adult life was like before he uh, emerged kind of on the spotlight? Yeah, Father, as you said, the, the Essene community, sort of a kind of a, a, a Jewish monastic community, in a sense, um, is often pointed to as, not that John necessarily was uh, an Essene himself. Right. Uh, we don't know that. Uh, we definitely don't know that, and there are some indications he... Um, that's not, that's not the case, but he certainly seemed to be informed by them because they lived out in the wilderness, in the desert. Um, they, they, they had sort of separated themselves from the priestly classes, the Sadducees in particular, uh, in Jerusalem, trying to live, um, the, the Jewish life and faith in a more intentional way and waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And so when we look at what John himself did, living in the wilderness, living a life of, of, in, of intense prayer and penance, waiting for and then announcing the coming of the Messiah. It's understandable why scholars, when we sort of discovered in the 20th century the Dead Sea Scrolls and what they tell us about the life of the Essene community, it's understandable why scholars saw it looking at what the Gospels tell us about John, how they could see it, it seems at least very plausible that John would have been influenced by them. But as you said, Father, we, we, we you know, it's gleaning, good, great word, we're gleaning from history there and making some plausible connections, but, but nothing definitive uh, as far as we know at this point. You know, one of the things that I, I'm just, there's a lot of things I'm fascinated about with John the Baptist, but one of those is kind of the, the cosmic testimony that happens through John. You know, uh, John is not only that voice in the wilderness, but I mean, I always I like to say, well, today the entire cosmos um, testifies to what he's trying to get us to understand where, uh, you know, we've, the, the sun, the daylight now is going to start fading and the darkness is rising. And so the voice of John comes in the darkness and he'll, he'll deposit us to that moment when the light comes in the darkness, Jesus Christ. You know, the, in, in the universe itself, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, is, is testifying to that and the dates line up. And oftentimes people will, you know, again, I did little kind of research to see kind of what's out there right now or whatever. And there's all these theories about how, well, the date of Christmas and, and the date of John the Baptist and all this, and, and the church just makes this stuff up and blah, 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 you know. But there's a great book that um, Cardinal Ratzinger wrote, um, The Spirit of the Liturgy, and he addresses sacred time in there. And he talks about this very specific thing, and he says, no, th th this isn't made up. And he goes in and does this beautiful, beautiful um, 
historical development of these dates. And he says, we didn't force Christmas onto a pagan feast, and we didn't force the birth of John the Baptist onto a pagan feast and try to recover those. He, he says, you go back into Hebrew history, and March 25th was considered the, um, the creation of the world of the universe. Yep. It's, it's the first day. And he, he goes on to explain how then um, all these key key moments happen in time that actually um, the, the first, the, cru- the crucifixion supposedly took place on the 25th. The sacrifice of Isaac on the mountain took place on the 25th of March. And, and, and he goes on, and the Annunciation took place on March 25th. And so Christmas comes nine months later. Christmas is based on March 25th. It's not the other way around. It, we didn't get Christmas first, and then we go to March 25th. Right. March 25th takes precedence. And then he shows, and then he's therefore. Here we are, June 24th, 25th, and this is the birth of John the Baptist because it says three months later, you know, mm-hmm. um, right. after the right. conception of, of Christ, that that John is born. And then we have that six month. Um, Period. Anyway, I, I bring all this stuff up, and I maybe went too deep in the weeds here for this, pro- but I bring it up to, to show, like, all things cooperate here. I mean, the person, the very person of John the Baptist is cooperating with salvation, but also, he, theologically, he's the voice that brings the word, you know? He, he fades, his voice fades, but the word remains. And I, I love that image of how, like, the voice comes into your ear, you no longer hear the voice, but the, what the voice delivered, which was the word, remains with you yes. and will affect you the rest of your life. Or, or, like, we focus on Zechariah and we say, well, he, because he struggled with faith, he went silent. But I like to look at that and say, well, he went silent because it's, it's, it's a prophecy. He lost his voice. And when the voice was born and with the first cry of John the Baptist, you know, Zechariah's voice returns, indicating that the voice of the word has come into into creation. But I mean, anyway, I'm, I just, yeah, I geek out on all this stuff order, but it's just John the Baptist is, he's huge. I mean, Christ says there's no greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. Yeah, he, he is huge. And that's, and that's part of my, again, my, my uh, recent fascination with him, just sort of discovering um, how important he is. He's, he really is a hinge figure. He's the greatest of the prophets. In fact, as you just said, Jesus said he's the greatest of those who have been born of woman uh, up to that time because he is the prophet who is announcing that now is the time of salvation. The Messiah is coming now. The Lord is coming now. All the other prophets were, were further in the past. The, the Jewish tradition had been that there was no prophecy after Malachi, who had lived centuries before the time of right. John and, and Jesus. And even in like for the vigil, they used the, the last word of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, they use that for the first words of John the Baptist, you know, turning the hearts of the fathers to their sons and sons to their fathers. But, yes. you know, the other thing is, and a lot of people don't realize this, the central role that John the Baptist played in the beginning, the early parts of the church. So Josephus, the Jewish historian, he says, look, Jesus of Nazareth was nothing compared to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the followers of John the Baptist, far outnumbered the followers of Jesus from Nazareth. And so that early church, this is why he appears in all the beginning of the Gospels, because they're all counting on the credibility of John the Baptist to help the Jews understand who Jesus of Nazareth is. Now, we're removed 2,000 years later, so we're kind of like, who's John the Baptist? What, what difference does he make? But at that time, he was everything. He was. He was. He was, he was a huge figure in society. People say, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come? And he, in his great humility, and another way that he's such an important model for us, particularly, I think, as, a, as a, American Catholics, 
in his great humility, said, no, I'm not even worthy to carry the sandals. And that's the lowest of the low. I'm not worried because the sandals of those coming after me. And then when Jesus comes up, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. Well, Dr. Bergwald, we could certainly spend, at least uh, Father Leffer and I could spend another hour uh, visiting about this, but we're going to have to uh, put a wrap on this conversation. Thank you so much again for taking this time to uh, visit with us about St. John the Baptist and blessings to you and your ministry. Thank you, Father. It's great visiting with you. Take care. God's blessings. Thank you. And now we are uh, pleased to turn things over to Miss Rachel in Command Central to give us an update on, uh, or at least a preview of tomorrow's show. Coming up on the next Real Presence Live on Friday, Father John Rutten and Heather Carroll will be hosting from Harrisburg, South Dakota. First, Sarah Harris will be talking about the Kenyan and her faith journey. Then Beth Noonan will be sharing a story about the time a priest awoke within her a new desire for holiness and how Catholic radio has been instrumental in her faith journey. Then Father Rutten will be talking about his first two years as a priest. All this and more coming up on the next Real Presence Live, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, here on the Real Presence Radio Network. And, and Rachel, uh, this is Father Leffer, mm-hmm. I, I would like to greet you and say, hey, welcome aboard. When, uh, when did you come to Command Central in Fargo for uh, Real Presence Radio? Um, maybe like three and a half weeks ago, something okay. like that, four okay. weeks. Fantastic. <laughs> well, it's great to hear your voice, and we, we look forward to, to working with you in the future. Yes, Thank yes, you. indeed. Now, I'm thinking about something, as you mentioned, Father, about uh, summer uh, uh, plans uh, really starting to emerge um, in the post-pandemic kind of, uh, you know, recovery of things with pilgrimages and such. Um, you recall the occasional feature that we would do on this program pre-pandemic called the 10-minute tour. Yeah. I'm wondering if uh, our bosses are going to be bringing that back this summer well, and fall. Maybe we can ease into it and have it like the one-minute tour and then the three-minute tour and then right. we can work our way up to the 10-minute tour. Certainly there are going to be parish summer festivals, fall events, fall dinners, things like that. And, and I think people have a lot of energy with regard to uh, looking forward to resuming Because it, it's again. about time to start putting on our calendar where we're going to get those tremendous feasts. Yes. You know, it's not that far <laughs> fall shows up here, so we had a Right. We've got to make room yeah. on those calendars. We, we miss salivating over the, the mention <laughs> of the various menus and things. We only have a minute left. Uh, I just want to mention a, a, an important prayer request. I was taking a look at the uh, forecast around the country. Places like Seattle and Portland are, are forecasting this weekend um, close to all-time record high temperatures. An enormous heat wave is exacerbating the drought conditions in the western half of the state, and we, we're definitely in that spot. So please, folks. Uh, regardless of what your local situation is, please keep praying for rain and and ask the uh, Lord of the Harvest to send suitable conditions in order to uh, guide us and to uh, and, and to ease the anxiety of our farm and ranch families. Uh, we're hanging in there right with you, and we um, we certainly are hoping for those blessings. So, um, with on behalf of Father Leffer, Father James Gross here, thank you very much for joining us. And until next time, blessings and peace to you and your families. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. 
And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.